answer sometimes is no. I've seen this in all kinds of things in my life. I've seen this with, with governments, with, with geopolitical situations. I've seen this with friendships, and I've seen this, and it's painful. And I've seen this with relationships. Sometimes the answer is no. You are listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. Exploring Hebrew New Testament manuscripts for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome to Hebrew Gospel Pearls, episode number 19. We are in a wonderful studio doing a buffet of biblical beatitudes, the biblical beatitudes. We're aptly up to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Now, hey, I'm going to start out reading something yeah. before we even go, go too far. And here's what the king, people love the King James. People love the King James. I think King Jimmy got nervous with this verse. And let me just read it. Really? It says this, the King James Version renders our verse like this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It seems that the translators of King Jimmy's Bible got a little nervous with the last phrase, just like I did. Just like I did. <laughs> Why did I get nervous? Who, who said that? Uh, this is me. Oh, I'm, this actually, is you speaking. I'm actually speaking. And what okay. am I speaking? So I did something uh, some, some years ago. We did what we called the Red Letter Series. And what it was, it was based on Howard's Hebrew Matthew. And what we attempted to do was go through the parts where Yeshua actually spoke and we got to the Beatitudes. What this series is doing, Nehemiah, and those that are listening, is we're going to a completely different level because Nehemiah has brought all of these manuscripts together. We've got a chance to compare and to contrast. I don't even think we need a whole lot of other Hebrew manuscripts just to focus on the controversy of Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? Why did the King James get nervous? Uh, I guess it's depending on what it means by becoming children of God and also what it means to be peacemakers. So let's get started. Right into 5, verse 9. Why don't you read okay. it for us based on what you have the Hebrew? So Hebrew Matthew has, mm-hmm. Blessed are the pursuers of peace, for they mm-hmm. will be called B'nai Elohim, the sons of God. My goodness. That sounds like a little no. bit of a difference. No, I don't know that it's that big of a difference. In other words, in, in Greek you say uh, to make peace. In Hebrew you say to pursue peace. Mm-hmm. Dalich, who we know translated from the Greek into the Hebrew, mm-hmm. he translates Ashrei Rodfe Shalom, verbatim the same mm-hmm. so far. Blessed are those who pursue peace, ki bnei Elohim lahem, for it shall be called to them the sons of Elohim. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. has the tenses a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, or the, the passive and the active voice. But basically, um, it's almost identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, both, um, uh, let's, say if, let's say if Matthew represents accurately what Yeshua said, then he got that phrase from Psalm 34, 15, mm-hmm. which says, Bakesh shalom mm-hmm. seek peace and pursue it. Amen. And uh, Dalich definitely got it, that phrase from Psalm 34, 15. In other words, he saw the phrase, Ereno Poyo, uh, those who make peace, and he said, oh, Ereno Poyo is, um, is in Hebrew to pursue peace. Mm-hmm. And um, in other words, it's, it's a Hebrew idiom that he's translating back out of the Greek. And if we look, let's see it, Psalm 34, 15, um, and we see, uh, uh, seek peace and chase after it. Mm-hmm. And let's see what we have in the Greek. Um, I didn't even look this up beforehand. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so it doesn't have that exact, it's interesting, it doesn't have a make peace. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to ask, how did he end up with this phrase he didn't end up with it based on the Greek. He said, what is a Hebrew idiom for making peace? Mm-hmm. Now, is there a difference between pursuing peace and making peace? I believe there is. 
And, I, and I'll tell you something. For me, this was a change because when I saw to pursue peace, the pressure kind of uh, went down a little bit. Um, I don't mm. always feel like, I'll be completely honest, Nehemiah, mm. I don't always feel like being a peacemaker. Uh, mm. Pursuing peace seems to be something that I'm pointing towards, I'm trying to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, it's like lies with me. Peacemaker feels like it's just you. That's, that's how it feels to me. Mm. And you could interpret it that. In other words, someone who pursues peace, if the other side doesn't reciprocate, okay, I tried. Exactly. Whereas if based on the Greek, you could say, and I don't know that it has to be read this way, but it sounds, I guess, in the Greek that you only get credit if you actually make the peace. <laughs> exactly. And, and boy, how can we talk about this without talking about the peace process oh in Israel? Oh my goodness. Can and we talk about and that? And you know, listen, if we're going to talk- too controversial? No, no, we, no, no, absolutely we have to talk about it, but we have to take our time and talk about it. So before we talk about that, can I just check, can we just check the sources? The sources regarding absolutely. this, can I, go to, can I go to Howard's Hebrew sure. uh, first as verse nine? Uh, Blessed are those who pursue peace. And again, I love the fact that he's using the word to pursue. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who pursue peace, for they shall be called. And why did I say controversy? Uh, King James maybe got a little bit nervous versus the NASB. The NASB says sons of God. In Hebrew, I think we'd say sons of God. Yeah. Um, but what King James says is children of God kind of like to take that, <laughs> take the pressure off. Um, How does it take the pressure off? Takes the pressure off because when you say, here you have to understand, when someone says son of God or sons of God, and mm -hmm. I might be jumping ahead. <laughs> I might be really jumping ahead. I think you're in the plus area, but go on. <laughs> no, if you say sons <laughs> but, of God, no, but, th there are yeah, issues the there. Issue? There are issues there. Sons of God, there's only, in, in, if you look at it from some perspective, you say son of God, that means one person in one situation only. Would not take into account anything else other than the son of God. That's the controversy. So I think King James. Okay. King so, that, so, that, so that that's kind of an alien concept to a Jewish right. perspective, mm -hmm. because and, and I do want to save this for the for the uh, for the plus section. Okay. I think, Excellent. Because or maybe for later, even in this section. But okay, I hear what you're saying. So, in other so, words, but, but as far Son as of the, God is capital S, and it has a theological connotation. Yes. Uh, the question is, um, and I don't even think it's a question. When Yeshua said this in Matthew five nine. Did he intend to have a theological connotation to it? No, he's given a family uh, upgrade. Uh, what now? <laughs> <laughs> he's given everybody a family upgrade. You can you can become a part of the family. So Look, there, you're joking. I no, think. but I'm telling you, I think you're that, joking. But there's a denomination I once encountered. <laughs> uh, I won't say which it is, but they have a doctrine that, and they're Christian. They say that when you got when you die, if you're a believer, you become part of the Godhead, and that you become literally a brother of Jesus, and uh, Yahweh is your father. This is using their terminology. And, uh, you know, your name is uh, Bill. Now your name is Bill Elohim, because Elohim is a family name, and you've become part of the family of God. This is their doctrine. Now imagine trying to have a, a biblical conversation. You met somebody with this for real. Oh, absolutely. More than one person, a denomination. Now imagine having trying to have a the, uh, any kind of conversation with someone who believes that when he dies, he'll become part of the Godhead. Can you imagine the arrogance of such a person? Um, and some of those people might be very humble. The ones I met were not. Mm -hmm. So no, that, that's that. It, I mean, it, it actually shows that you can have such a concept. It exists today mm -hmm. in the 21st century in the United States. There are, and some people would say, well, they're not Christians because if you have anything more than the Trinity, then you're not a Christian. Lots of theology. They call themselves Christians. Look to the New Testament. Look to Jesus, and they say when they die, they'll become part of the Godhead. 
They'll become part of the family of Elohim. There's Yahweh Elohim. There's Yahshua or Jesus Elohim. Some of them use the Hebrew, some don't. And then when you die, you'll become Keith Elohim if you're part of the right doctrine and give your tithe to the right what church, of course. What I can do to get rid of the first name? I'm good. Now, can you do me a favor? So, what now? so no. with a little structure, just throw a little structure. So this, is, this, yeah. is the, this is the BFA one. So little structure. So we're going to actually going to be able to talk about a few things. You brought up three questions. Before we get to three questions yeah. uh, on the issues of sons of God, yeah. Okay. Can can we just uh, talk about this? I want to go back to what you said about Israel because yeah. this is this is huge. Uh, yeah. Being a peacemaker be, be, versus being a pursuer of peace. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? Now I want to put it in present day context. Yeah. Being a peacemaker, as some people say, Israel should be a peacemaker. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but maybe they're pursuing peace, and that looks different. What's your what's your thought? So I lived through a very tragic period of Israel's history. Mm. And it was a period of, um, I would say there was a certain segment of the Israeli population that was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They had this belief that um, uh, it was euphoria. That's the best way to describe it. They had a euphoria that we've lived in this reality for over 100 years, long before the state of Israel, where the Arabs and Israel, the Muslims wanted to kill us. And now all of a sudden in 1993, we've made the, peace process at Oslo, and there's this euphoria. We're finally going to make peace, and it will uh, be an end of the period of the wars. And you look, Israel had this... this How many people believe that? A hundred percent they believed it. And many people said, you guys are crazy. This is never going to happen. Listen to what they say. They don't say the same things to us in English and in Hebrew, what they say in Arabic. Just listen to them. Listen to the speeches they're giving in Arabic. They don't want peace. This is, this is a, a strategy to get more land, to use it as a launching pad to attack us deep in the heart of Israel. And you can, you can look at the Qassam tracker. There's somebody who tracks every rocket fired at Israel. They're, they're, uh, I don't know that there's been a week where rockets weren't fired at Israel since 2005. So in the early 90s, there was this euphoria that we would have peace. And look, nobody wanted peace as much as anybody who, I mean, I wanted peace. Everybody wants peace in Israel. All the Jews, I should say, want peace. Netanyahu, decades ago, made a famous statement. He said, if the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. If the Jews put down their weapons today, there'd be no more Israel. Mm. And that's the painful reality, that we have been pursuing peace for decades, and sometimes there are people on the Arab side who want peace, but the Arab leadership, by and large, has not wanted peace. Mm-hmm. They want a perpetual state of war because their objective is to destroy Israel. There was um, So we started out in 1993 with the Oslo Accords, and that was a pursuit of peace by people who were euphoric, who um, I, th- I think to some extent they were delusional. There was a man named Yossi Balin, and he was this uh, professor, a uh, brilliant professor from a university in Israel, and he came up with the doctrine of the peace process. And, the, and he said something like this, and, I, and this ties in, it's related. Oh. He said something like this. Look, we've ha- we, made, we made peace with Egypt. We know what the Arabs need to make peace. Let's cut through all the games. Let's cut through all the negotiations and go just to the final stage, which is what we know they're going to eventually agree to. And one of those things was there has to be an Arab capital in Jerusalem mm. and a whole bunch of other things. I won't go into the detail. Mm-hmm. And um, people liken this to, and, and I'll try to use sensitive language here, right? Imagine if you, you uh, um, uh, 
back when in your single days, you met this woman and you said to the woman, look, I know in the end we're going to be married. So let's cut to the chase and we don't need dinner. We don't need to go on dates. Let's just get married right now and tonight we will consummate. Well, she'd probably slap you. Mm -hmm. um, and she should slap you. Because <laughs> there is a process that you need to go through. Mm -hmm. You need to pursue peace in order to make peace. And, That's big. And Balanism said, this uh, philosophy of Yossi Balin said, oh no, well, let's just make peace now. We know, we're, we know how this is going to end. Let's make peace. And it was a disaster. It brought death of tens of thousands of Jews and tens of thousands of Arabs, especially Muslims. And why did it bring death? because that's not how things work. There's a dynamic you have to work through. Mm -hmm. And part of the dynamic is, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain dynamic, especially in the Middle East, but it's just human nature, that when you, imagine, get another analogy, right, parable. Go in to buy a car, and you say to the people who are gonna sell you the car, well, this is the price we're gonna end on. There's no negotiation, no discussion. Is that gonna work? Right. Probably not. Right. Probably not gonna work. In fact, you'll probably get yourself kicked out of there. And so, Balanism said, no, let's go to the final, we're just going to make peace. We know what, pe how, what peace is going to look like. Let's just make peace. Let's not pursue peace. And it just brought so much death and destruction because there were people on the other side who said, well, wait a minute, that's your starting point. Let's push it one step further and one step further. And, and he was saying, no, this is my end point. But he said that with his words, not with his actions. They wanted negotiation. They needed a negotiation. Right? And maybe they weren't going to make peace anyway. We'll never know. Mm -hmm. Using his approach, it was impossible to make peace. Mm. And I think if you listen to what they were saying, they probably didn't want to make peace. But that route was a disaster. So it was a they complete were, disaster. If these were people that were committed to the words that we see in the King James Bible, yeah. uh, blessed are, and they wanted to be blessed. I want to be blessed. Yeah. Be a peacemaker. In fact, those outside of Israel that would say, listen, if Israel wants to be blessed, they need to be a peacemaker. And they stayed within that mm -hmm. frame of mind. You're saying that that frame of mind of making peace. Because what it is, is it's peace, to, peace at all costs. And peace at all costs is, is we don't, nobody wants that. That's a disaster. Well, peace at all costs is you kill all of us and we're dead in the sea. Well, that's what the Arabs said that they wanted. So this is for decades, what they would do is they'd point to the Mediterranean and they would say, we're going to drive the Jews into the sea, right? A little bit of metaphor there, but it actually meant literally as well, right? They'll drown all of us, kill all of us and push us into the sea, right? So if, if that's their, their, their objective, well, you can't have peace at all costs, mm -hmm. right? You can't assume, you can't, also can't assume everyone's the same, mm -hmm. right? Part of, part of the, the Balinism, the peacemaking approach was that, well, the Arabs of, 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 of Israel, what they call the Palestinians, are no different than the Egyptians. Well, actually, they're a lot different, mm. right? They have a different culture. They have a different history. Mm -hmm. They have a different heritage. They're not the same. They're, they've been living for decades in a different reality. Yeah. Um, they, uh, and look, the Arabs of uh, the so-called Palestinians of the West Bank and the Palestinians of Gaza are two different populations. They're not the same people, mm -hmm. right? They don't have the same objectives. They don't have the same, even the same language. Um, those of northern Israel and southern Israel, they have different languages. So to treat them all as, as a monolith, that is a recipe for disaster. Can you, can you unpack for us a little bit? So you yeah. said in 93 with the Oslo Accords. So what, what was it that, what, that they put, uh, permission to speak about this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, permission, uh, what, what was it that they put forward that, made it, that, that meant, meant that it wasn't going to work? So, uh, well, really it was the attitude of the Israeli leadership openly saying, we know where this is going to end. We know what the final objective is. We just need to get to that final objective instead of actually going through the hard work of, of pursuing peace. Mm. So one of the things they said is, okay, 
if we gave all of the uh, Palestinian, uh, the areas where the Palestinians live, if we gave them all in immediate independence, we would have a war. Because they would all of a sudden have tanks and uh, bombers and jets in Israeli territory. Mm. What was Israeli, Israeli security? Israel doesn't have a lot of depth like most countries, like mm-hmm. the United States. So they have to, um, I mean, you can drive across the country literally in nine kilometers, mm-hmm. right? It's like five or six miles mm-hmm. in one point, the shortest point. So um, what they said is, what we're going to do is we're going to give them autonomy in uh, Jericho and in Gaza, and we'll see that everything is fine, and then we'll give them autonomy in other areas and eventually independence. Mm. And so they gave them this, uh, and I remember it was the slogan, Jericho and Gaza first. Mm. And it was a way essentially of appeasing the people of Israel who were very nervous about this. It was a way of showing them, look, there'll be peace, it'll be no problem. Mm. And from the very first caravan of uh, Palestinian forces who were flown over from um, they were flown over from uh, Tunisia, these terrorists, mm-hmm. literal mm-hmm. terrorists, were flown over from Tunisia to rule over Gaza and the West Bank without asking the Arabs of the Gaza and West Bank. They were, the PLO was flown over there, and in the very, very first caravan, they were hiding weapons that, they, that, according to the agreement, they weren't allowed to have. Mm-hmm. And what's the significance of this? Instead of saying, okay, well, they didn't keep their word, let's not move forward, mm-hmm. right? We're pursuing peace, and they rejected it through their actions. Mm-hmm. They said, no, we're making peace, peace is going to happen. And that was from literally the very first caravan. Now, I, I, I mean, listen, this is our show, right? Hebrew Gospel Pearls. Yeah. We can talk. We've, we've been to Israel together several times. Mm-hmm. I have a dear friend there, Rabbi Yehuda Glick, uh, who used to serve in the government before the situation with, uh, 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 that he's presently in. And when he served there, he said he quit the job based on what happened in Gaza when the uh, Israel, Israel people, the Jewish people were in Gaza living there and they were forcibly removed. Do you remember what year? Was Absolutely, it? 2005. 9,000 Jews were forcibly removed from their homes. There were Jews who were born there. Their father was born there and their grandfather had immigrated there in 1967. So no, three you. generations lived there, were two generations in some cases were buried there in cemeteries and they dug up their graves and removed them from Gaza, destroyed homes, destroyed synagogues, because they said, look, the only way we'll have peace with the Gazans is if we give every last inch of Gaza over to the Palestinian Authority to rule. And the Palestinian Authority responded by holding elections, which elected Hamas, and they've been firing rockets at us ever since. Now, I remember the election. I think it was around 2004. There was this one political party who had a graphic showing rockets being fired from Gaza, and their whole platform was don't give Gaza to the Palestinians to rule. If you pull out of Gaza, instead of attacking the Jews who live in Gaza, there were about 9,000 Jews there, they'll attack the heart of Israel. And they were laughed at. They were called conspiracy theorists. They were ridiculed. You guys are fanatics. And the day we left Gaza, the, virtually the day, the rockets have started and they have never stopped. So I want you to do something. This is a biblical connection. You're going to love this. So you yeah. Glick, uh, mm. Uh, he talked about this, how he wept, and he fought, and he argued with the government, mm. saying, you cannot do this. If you do this, we're going to have war with Gaza, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You just gave me another whole dimension of that. But would you do, open up your tap-tap for a second, mm-hmm. Nehemiah? Um, and why are, we, why are you and I not surprised about what's happening with this group called Hamas? Can you give us a biblical definition <laughs> of the group that's called Hamas it, in it, the Tanakh? It's under the category of you can't make this stuff you up. You can't make this stuff up, folks. They chose to call themselves Hamas based on an Arabic acronym, but in Hebrew, Hamas means violence. 
violence and corruption. Genesis 6.11, the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with, with Hamas. Hamas. So, right. pe- no, so, I mean, for you me, can't make you can't make up. it up. You can't make it up. And his whole point was, and, and, I, and his whole point mm-hmm. was, if we do this, if we give this over, then it's going to be it's going to be constant. And, it and there's right. probably people in Gaza. I know there are people in Gaza who want to make peace. There's people in Gaza and in the West Bank who want to make peace. Mm-hmm. There's people who want to live with us in peace, but they um, but their leaders don't, and the people they elect don't, and enough of the population uh, is able to uh, push the whole. Um, uh, it's not really a country, but the whole geopolitical entity of Gaza and the West Bank, which are completely separate today, mm-hmm. as we're recording this, Gaza is ruled by the by the Hamas, and the West Bank, uh, the Palestinian areas of the West Bank are um, ruled by by the PLO. Mm-hmm. And one of the bizarre things I hear about from leftists is about how they want to end the occupation. The occupation ended in 2005 when the last Jew was forcibly removed from Gaza by Jews. Right? There hasn't been Jewish soldiers there except for a few wars that happened, mm-hmm. right? And then we pulled out after the wars. They rule themselves in Gaza, mm-hmm. right? For all intents and purposes, the only thing they don't have, they have actually more uh, sovereignty in some respects than some sovereign nations. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Micronesia or those mm-hmm. countries like that, in some respects, they, they exercise more sovereignty in the West, in Gaza in particular, than many countries. The only thing they don't have is an air force and, and tanks, because if they did that, Israel would end tomorrow. They would just overrun Israel and destroy it. Mm-hmm. So we prevent them from happy, having that um, out of necessity. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really a situation that's hard to understand now, until you realize how close things are. Now, here's, now here's the controversy. Here's the rub before we get yeah. to the second part of the verse. So what does pursuing peace look like for a person who wants to follow? Okay, so uh, first of all, you have this. to want peace. Now, the peacemaker also wants peace, but he's not willing to go through the hard work of making peace, and he's not willing to accept no. Sometimes the answer is, no, I don't want peace. Look, this appears in the Torah. (laughs) Talk to me. This appears in the Torah. um, uh, It's in Deuteronomy, and it talks about when you go out to war against uh, a nation. Yes. It's ki milchama, if I'm not mistaken. And when you go out to war, here, it's Deuteronomy 20, Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 10, when you approach a city to re- wage war against it and you call out to it, shalom, peace. Peace. It shall come to pass if they answer you peace and they open up uh, the gates to you and all the people are in it shall be, um, uh, and this is when it's in the land of Israel, shall be tributaries to you and they shall serve you, right? So there's an opportunity for peace and they can respond with peace. Now here it's when it's in the land of Israel. It's not some far off land. Mm-hmm. Um it's the land that God has given you. If they want to live with you in, in peace and be subject to your government, they can live in peace. If they refuse to live as subjects of, um, in this case, a Democrat, the only democratic state in the Middle East, and they want to destroy you, then you can't make peace with them. The answer sometimes is no. I've seen this in all kinds of things in my life. I've seen this with, with governments, with, with geopolitical situations. I've seen this with friendships, and I've seen this, and it's painful. And I've seen this with relationships. Sometimes the answer is no. And pursuing peace is okay, is a good thing. Force, trying to force peace when the other side doesn't want to have peace, you can't do it. Wow. It leads to death and destruction on both sides. You read the, that whole verse? The, Did you yeah. read that whole verse? Which one? The one on peace. Uh, the, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. we can read the whole passage. There's more to it, but yeah. Okay. Give, us, um, give us the passage. I'm just saying for the, for the, what, what the passage is. And it says, and it shall come to pass if they don't make peace with you and they make war with you, you shall be an enemy against them and Jehovah will give them into your hand and, you'll, and you will smite all of their males with the sword, mm-hmm. etc. All right. I mean, we can go into it and, yeah. and read about it, but um, 
But tell and, us where that is. And it says in verse 15, thus shall you do with all the, actually, this is the cities that are far away from yeah. you, that are not from the uh, uh, cities of these nations. Mm-hmm. It's in Deuteronomy 20, verse uh, That's what I need. Verse 10. Excellent. Um, okay, so if you're dealing with a nation who um, doesn't want to have peace, then you can't make peace. Now, in this case, we weren't trying to rule over them. We said, you guys, look, that's our land, the West Bank and Gaza. Hebron is the heartland of the people of Israel. It's where Abraham lived. It's where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried. Mm-hmm. Right? My ancestors are buried there. You want to rule over their graves because you guys came and, and took that from us. Mm-hmm. We're willing to stipulate to that if, we make peace with, if you make peace with us. And they wouldn't do it. They refused to do it. This culminated in the year 2000 in what was called the Camp David Accords, the second mm-hmm. Camp David Accords. Mm-hmm. Ehud Barak, who was the Israeli prime minister, went to, um, went to this place, Camp David, in the United States and met with Yasser Arafat. And he was willing to give them every inch of the West Bank and Gaza, with the exception of certain population centers in the West Bank. He said, we'll give you other territory in, in place of that because we already you know, 50,000, 100,000 people living there. We can't afford to move those people. Yeah. Are you thinking about like place of Ma'alea Dumim? Ma'alea Dumim. Yes. Ma'alea Dumim and Ariel were the two yeah. uh, um, things that helped. You know where I got my Taurus grow, right? Ma'alea Dumim. Dari Ma'alea Dumim. For the Taurus shall go forth out of Jerusalem, and in this case, via Ma'alea Dumim. So um, he said, we'll give you, uh, we'll, we'll compensate lands. you for that 4% of the land. 4% of the land. Um, kind of like, you know, we had this thing with Mexico, the Gadsden Purchase, right? Mm. Like, we're going to make a deal. Let's make a deal. And we'll give you land in the, in the Negev in place of that. And so you'll have a larger area around Gaza. And the prime minister of Malaysia asked, um, it was Malaysia or Indonesia, I don't remember. He asked Arafat later, why did you turn down that deal? You'll never get such a good deal again. He said, it may take us 100 years, but we're going to drive every last Jew into the sea. We're going to wipe them off the face of the earth. And if I make peace now... Later generations of Palestinians who are living in peace with the Jews will never forgive me for not wiping them out, even if it takes 100 years. So you can pursue peace, but if the other side doesn't want peace, you can't make it. I want to I tell you about a video I saw recently. Mm. It was this young man, he's 18 years old, and he's surrounded by a group, of, a group, and he's not Orthodox, he's a secular Jew, but he loves Israel, and he loves the Temple Mount. And he was trying to go to the Temple Mount with an Israeli flag to, to wave it. Because he said, this is the holiest place in Judaism. He said, look, I'm not a... Video you sent me. I sent that to you, yeah. yeah. He said, I'm not, a, I'm not an Orthodox Jew, but I love, I love that this is the holiest place in Judaism. And I want to express my, my, myself as a Jew by waving the Israeli flag as, uh, as having you know, the, the symbol of the sovereign Jewish state mm-hmm. um, in the holiest place to the Jewish people, which mm-hmm. is the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't allowed to do it. Well, he, he came into contact with this Jewish woman who was a leftist protester. And he said to her, and she said to him, why are you trying to make this provocation? You're just trying to upset the Arabs. You don't really care about the Temple Mount. He said, no, I deeply care about it. There's only one place in Judaism that's holy, the holiest place in Judaism. Um, I'm paraphrasing his words. I think he would maybe say there's many places that are holy in Judaism, but he was saying something to the effect of, this is the holiest spot in Judaism, the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I want to express myself as a Jew by, by being there with my flag. You know, we, we for, you know, there's the song, Hatikva. Do you know mm-hmm. the song, Hatikva? Yes, yes, yes. It's the national anthem of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Hatikva means the hope. Yes. And, the, and it, it's, uh, it ends with the words, to be free in our land 
in the land of Zion and Jerusalem, one of the most moving things I've ever heard, Keith, is when they liberated the Bergen-Belsen camp, the death camp, this concentration camp, um, where thousands of Jews died, maybe tens of thousands, I don't know the statistics, but many, many Jews died there, and there were survivors. And the first Friday night, the chaplain from the British army comes, and he says, let's do a, a prayer service. And a lot of these Jews weren't religious Jews mm-hmm. who were in these camps. They were secular Jews. And they burst out singing Hatikva the Hope. Wow. The hope of 2,000 years to be a free people in our land. And that's all this young man, this 18-year-old wanted to do is express that 2,000 years hope of persecution mm-hmm. and suffering and, and humiliation. And, um, and he just wanted to express that, that we are now free in our own land. We should be able to wave our own flag in the holiest place in Judaism. And she said, no, you just want to, you don't want peace with the Arabs. You just want a provocation. You just want war. Now, there was one secular Jew there, a leftist, and another secular Jew there who was, loved the, the Temple Mount, and they were surrounded by a bunch of Orthodox Jews. And he said, you don't know what, what people who love the Temple Mount believe, do you? She said, I know exactly what you believe. You want to destroy the Arabs and kill them, and you're looking for an excuse for war. And he turns to all the Orthodox Jews surrounding him. He says, who here, if I said death to Arabs, who here would, be, would support that statement? No. And they said, none of us would support that statement. I said, who here wants peace? And every single one raised their hand and said, we want peace. Mm-hmm. These are people who are dedicated to the Jewish experience on the Temple Mount, and what they want is peace. Mm-hmm. They don't point to the sea and say, we're going to drive the Arabs into the right. sea. They say, we want to live with you in peace. Mm-hmm. And the other side doesn't want to live in peace. Now, maybe one day they will. But we have to go through the process. Mm. And that process sometimes, is, as Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for peace and a time for war. Mm. And if they don't want peace, it could be a time for war. Mm. But that's part of pursuing peace. Mm. And if you go to the situation and say, well, peace at all costs, well, then you end up in a situation with tens of thousands of people dying, which is what happened. So we're just a couple weeks away from uh, what happened just two weeks ago, which they say started... Uh, supposedly started... Okay, we're pre-recording this, so you have to tell I mean, people what you're referring I'm, to. I'm, I'm, oh, I was going to explain to them about what happened to, supposedly on the Temple Mount uh, mm. regarding uh, the clash of the Temple Mount. We well, always use this example. If something happens on the Temple Mount and it spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and pretty soon uh, they have justification for shooting 4,000 rockets into Israel. And, and what always surprises me, what always surprises me is the people that have the parroting of what peace looks like. Well, if you just do this, everything will be okay. If you just do that, everything will be okay. And, and when you're dealing with violence, which Hamas is <laughs> bent on, how do you have? How do you pursue? How do you have peace with those? So the Hamas do- Charter openly says this is not a theory about what they believe. It openly says their purpose is to wipe out the Jews in Israel and, and eradicate the, the Jewish state. Mm. They openly say that. They're not hiding it. Mm. right? The PLO and the West Bank, you could say they're hiding it. We don't know what their intentions are. Sometimes they live in peace. Sometimes they don't. They have, you know, it depends who's in charge and who, who, you know, who has the power. Mm. Hamas is not hiding it. Mm. They are a radical Islamist. Notice I didn't say Islamic. They're Islamist. Right? They're using Islam for their political aims and is radical Islamist uh, movement that is illegal in Egypt. In Egypt, this is a, it's called the Muslim Brotherhood, 
and it is um, outlawed because they're so violent and destructive in Egypt, and they actually are the ones who killed um, uh, President uh, Anwar Sadat in the 1980s. And so this is such a, an evil group that even Egypt doesn't allow them, and a bunch of other Muslim states consider them terrorist groups mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. the Hamas. Yet in Israel, we're supposed to have this fantasy that somehow they'll make peace with us. Mm -hmm. um, they're not interested in peace. Mm -hmm. It's very wow. sad. So we can pursue peace, but we can't make peace. And pursuing peace is a beautiful thing. Amen. I would love to have peace. Amen. Why do I want peace? First of all, I think it's good to live in peace with people. Amen. That is what the Torah is all about ultimately, mm -hmm. is, is love your neighbor as you love yourself and love the foreigner who is among you. Amen. But if the foreigner wants to wipe you out, you, can't, you, can't, mm -hmm. you cannot reconcile with him in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, we can't reconcile you under our sovereignty. Go have your own sovereignty. And they don't want that either. They want right. us to, to cease to exist to wipe us out. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it's a tragic situation, but why do I want peace? Because I have nephews who serve in the Israeli military. Mm -hmm. I know people who, if we have the next war that happens, they might die. It's not some hypothetical thing to me mm -hmm. and to millions of Jews. Everybody knows someone who is going to be on the front line. And any war that happens, any, any um, you know, military service, even if it's not a war, there's shooting that we don't hear about over in the United States that goes on all the time. At the, there's a constant state of low-level war that's going on. So any, any one of those, my nephew, one of my nephews could be murdered mm -hmm. by the Palestinians. And so, of course, I want there to be peace. Who wouldn't want there to be peace when, when you've got skin in the game? Mm -hmm. And um, here's where the tragedy comes in. The, pal, the uh, Hamas in particular in the Gaza, they have this motto, they say. They say the, we, the reason we will win and wipe out all the Jews is because we love death more than they love life. Mm -hmm. It's become a cult of death. Mm-hmm. And their attitude is, yeah, we don't, you know, when people die, we love it. Mm -hmm. Now, do they really love it? I don't know. Does a mother really love when her son dies and he mm -hmm. goes, they believe, to heaven and gets 72 virgins? On some level, maybe she loves it, but, I mean, where's the, where, where's the motherly love? I don't know. We used to have this song back in the 80s. Uh, the only hope for me and you is that the Russians love their children, too, during the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And the Palestinians, the Hamas, say, we love our sons and daughters, and that's why we want them to die as martyrs killing Jews. Mm -hmm. Wow, how do you make peace with those people? You can pursue peace, but pursuing peace, you can't make peace in that situation. Yeah, wow. It's a tragic situation. I think we should go over, now that we've talked about the controversial geopolitical stuff, we should go over in the plus section and talk about what is, I have two questions left I want to ask. What is God and what is a, what is a son of God? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Only the big issues. <laughs> hey, so folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite you into the Plus Texas BFA International. Uh, you become a premium member. You have access to absolute everything we have. And by the way, uh, we have a whole series, Nehemiah, called Temple Mount Truth with mm. Rabbi Eliezer, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Glick, mm -hmm. uh, where he, um, he actually goes to the Temple Mount and there's just a number of things that happen like that. But one of the things you're gonna get access to is to the plus sections for the entire Hebrew Gospel series of the odd numbers. And mm -hmm. the even numbers, I always like to make sure everyone knows this. For the odd numbers is at BFA International and the even numbers are at uh, McCor Hebrew Foundation, Nehemiahswall.com. Uh, but I will tell you, um, we're going we're gonna to go to that right now and get a chance to talk mm. about the sons of God issue, which I started with, with the King James that said the children of God feels a lot safer than talking about sons of God. So can we say a prayer for our friends that have been listening? Now, let me say something. Yeah. Oh, I forgot one more controversial thing. Yeah. Uh -oh. So what we just talked about, Nehemiah, might get yeah. us kicked off of YouTube. Very possible. Might get us kicked off of Facebook. 
Very might get us kicked off any number of public uh, uh, platforms because yeah. it's not politically, uh, what I use the word, um, it's, uh, what, what What would be the word? Political correctness. Well, and even if it is today, three minutes from now, it might not be, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I mean, if you talk about no. anything controversial. Yeah, yeah, no, boom, you're done. <laughs> right. But here's the good news. It's a, right? it's a constantly changing standard. So what I want to say, what I want to say to our friends yeah. right now, what we do we need you to do, we need you to be a supportive of BFA and Nehemiah's Wall, uh, because what we are continuing to do is we're committed to getting the information out. Now, you've already blazed the trail, and I, I'm just a little commercial for you right mm-hmm. now, where you've been able to get on some other platforms, too, uh, mm-hmm. where you're able to share uh, share share messages. So we have, we have podcasts and YouTube and Facebook and, and our websites. Hopefully, those will continue. But we know from experience there's things that can get shut off. So you all, we need your, we need your support. We need your support to be able to continue yeah, to do we'll this. Do this. So I want to say yeah. a prayer. Father, thank you so much mm. for our friends that are listening. We pray that as we uh, tackle these difficult situations, we're reminded of the words of Yeshua to pursue peace. Help us to pursue peace, and we'll do all that we can do on our side. And at the same time, we want to be aware uh, of what's happening in the world, and we want to be wise, and we want, to, we want our... We, we, we don't want to be in denial, um, and we're not concerned about being politically correct. We are concerned mm. about truth, and we thank you for it in your name. Yehovah, Venus Shabbat Shemaim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven, let us all as a people, Israel, seek peace and pursue it in the words of the psalmist, mm. and let us find a partner mm. who we can make peace with. Father, we don't make peace with our friends, we make peace with our enemies. Mm. These enemies who want to destroy us, Yehovah, soften their hearts and turn their hearts for a desire for peace so that we can live together, maybe not with everything that we want, maybe there'll be compromises, there'll be painful compromises, but we are willing to do that in order to make peace as long as the other side will truly live in peace with us. Amen. You have been listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For a more in-depth study, check out Hebrew Gospel Pearls Plus at NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. Thank you for your support.